What is up, everybody? We are back with another episode of Can You Dig It? A podcast by Silver Screen and Roll and SB Nation Lakers community. You can find all of our work over at silverscreenandroll.com. And I am one of your hosts, Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rude. Jacob, what's going on, pal? Yeah, I mean, I guess it was supposed the game that they played on Wednesday against Orlando Magic, a game they won 96 to 87, was supposed to be more competitive with Markel Fultz and Nikola Vucevic, but neither of those guys played. And because of that, it was a pretty easy win for the Lakers. Not as easy as it should have been. At the end of the first half, I was sure that I could start writing my recap and just like go to bed early. But that never happens anytime I write the recap. Um, except this season, the Lakers have blown out teams kind of a lot. Like, especially compared to last season, it seems like they never blew a team out. So the fact that they're doing it this year has made my life a little easier. But uh, yeah, Wednesday wasn't one of those nights. They they ended up winning, as I mentioned, by nine points. But uh, it wasn't like a blowout by any means. That was such a weird game because I I couldn't watch the game live, um, but I'd seen the final score. So I'm going back and watching it, and at one point we were up like 33 to 11. And I'm like, this final score says we won by 9. The game I'm watching right now, we're up by 22 points, and it doesn't even look competitive. And then almost right at that moment, it was about midway through the second, and from like the end of the second quarter on, it was horrible for the Lakers, yeah. and they let the Magic back in the game, which is not something that they have done a whole lot this year. Um, yeah. Like you said about blowing teams out, they typically don't let those bad teams hang around, which is a sign of a good, a, a great team, honestly, but tonight was just one of those nights where for about a six seven minute stretch they let the magic kind of catch fire and stay in the game but um i don't know it never i mean i i had the benefit of watching knowing that the lakers won but <laughs> i it never felt like that game was really that much in doubt right talent yeah the the on, on paper the lakers just so much more talented than the magic even at full strength um i wanted the lakers to draft aaron gordon so bad year they drafted julius randall which a moment of silence for julius randall man having to play for that knicks team i i interviewed um kevin knox like last month and he was talking about the great vibes in the locker room and how they were so confident they could turn the season around i bet if i talked to him now i don't know i'd probably get that same answer but probably i i wouldn't believe him (laughs) at that time i believed that he he thought that the Knicks were gonna make a run for a playoff spot and figure it all together, uh, figure it out, mixing veterans and young guys, all of which are power forwards. Uh, but it hasn't surprisingly. So Julius Randle, if you ask for a buyout on your, what is it? It's a, I think it's a four year deal, right? No, I, I'm almost. I think it's a two year deal. I think they just only gave out two year deals. That's why I guess. I guess if they're gotta playing, chase Giannis, 
Yeah. If if you're gonna, if their plan is to hire Masai and Jason Kidd. I guess they're in as good of a position as anybody to land Giannis, except the Lakers who have Anthony Davis and possibly LeBron James, even if he'll be like what thirty six, thirty seven. I I honestly I'd rather play for a thirty seven, just a thirty seven year old LeBron James than in New York under Jason Kidd. Actually, split the difference. He signed a three-year deal. Okay. Well, He's currently, uh, he is the only guaranteed contract. The only two guaranteed numbers on the books that year are him at nineteen point eight million and Joe Kim and Noah. RJ Barrett. Nope, Joe Kim Noah's dead contract at oh my six point four. RJ Barrett. I mean, it's a they'll they'll pick up his option, but him Knox and Brazdakis all have options then. But those are the only four <laughs> players. That are that will be under contract that year. I genuinely don't remember what it was like being that bad of a team. I honestly because I just remember having fun watching those teams. Like when you know you're a rebuilding team with some sense of direction, it it the bumps and bruises don't hurt as much. At least to me, watching them, like with with Brandon Ingram, D'Angelo Russell, and Julius Randle. Uh, and then that Lonzo Ingram core, Lonzo Ingram coups. It just felt like they had talent at nearly every position. I mean, that's not even mentioning Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. It just seemed that they were building towards something. I could not even imagine being being a Knicks fan and, and watching this team, especially for as long as they've been bad. I that's That's insane to me. And they're, like, actively sabotaging the good pieces that they have. Like, <laughs> they have R.J. Barrett, but then they only signed forwards to put around him. And then the point guards they do have are really bad, so he has to play point guard. And, like, I, I mean, just the idea of them signing. They have four players listed as power forwards, all of which signed this summer. Julius Randle, Marcus Morris, Bobby Portis, and Taj Gibson. And I've watched a couple Knicks games. There are times where all four of those guys are on the court together. That is insane. In 2019. Well, uh, if you're a Knicks fan, I'm sorry. Our condolences. If if you're looking for a new team, I would strongly suggest the Lakers because they've won a championship every decade... Since, boy, it's been a little while since they haven't won a championship, like, in a decade. A long time. Uh, But, yeah, if you're looking for a new team, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are pretty good, depending on who you ask. I think most people would agree. But, um, so, yeah, come come aboard. Uh, Let's circle back to the game very quickly before we move on to other things. Uh, The person that stood out to me on the Magic, and I was always kind of high on him, uh, is Jonathan Isaac. To me, he was kind of like a Brandon Ingram situation where as soon as his frame filled out, he was going to be an impactful player, whether it was offensively or defensively. I think it's been more the latter early for him in his career, and he showed that. I mean, he picked up two blocks, and I think even... Even after tonight, he's second in blocks behind Anthony Davis. He looks pretty good. He's going to be probably on the all-defensive team this year. 
mm-hmm. um, which is pretty wild for a is he a second year, third year player, right? Um, to make that big of an impact defensively that young is very rare. Um, this is I don't watch the Magic a ton, but this is the best I see. Or tonight was the best I saw him offensively, um, which yeah. It, Reminded me a lot of Ingram. Um, he kind of has those moments, those flashes, where things all kind of come together, and he looks really good for a stretch. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't. I haven't watched them a ton this year, but I would imagine this is probably one of his better offensive games this year. Like, if you're getting this version of Jonathan Isaac... Um, He's a really, really impactful player. He's averaging 12 points, 7 rebounds a game, um, shooting 32% from three. So, yeah, 19 points, 8 rebounds, hit two of his three threes tonight. Um, If that's the type of player they're getting paired with his defense, that's a really, really good player. The problem is I think he's probably a four long term. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they also have Aaron Gordon. They also signed Vucevic to a big deal, and they also have Mo Bamba. Like strange, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why they did all those things. And Kim Birch, who I think started tonight. Um, I somebody's got to go out of that basically, and I really like Aaron Gordon. I think he's probably the one that will go. Um. And even then, you still have three guys for basically two positions. Right. It'll be interesting to see how they kind of deal with all that. But I really like Isaac. He was really good, I thought, second half um, as the Magic kind of hung around him. And, I mean, also that's the best I remember seeing Mo Bamba play. He had that one really big block on LeBron James kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, those two are, at least tonight, looked like two really nice pieces for their future. And Evan Fournier is still, he's, like, low-key been really good this year. And I think he's a free agent coming up. He's earning himself a whole lot of money. Yeah, I I honestly, I watched a lot of Mo Bamba last year when he was healthy. And even this year, and he's he just looked really bad. So I'm glad he's he's starting to show something, even if it's for one night. Uh, but yeah, the the Magic, with a loss, are now the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. And the thing that stood out to me is the fact that the Charlotte Hornets are tenth in the Eastern Conference, thanks to Devontae Graham, who is playing out of his mind right now. Shout out to him. The Hawks traded that pick. the The Hornets traded up, but the Hawks why why in a rebuilding year? Would you trade the 34th pick? That makes zero sense. At least they didn't pull a Bulls and just sell like the 32nd <laughs> pick and then lose out on Jordan Bell. Those fools. Um, anyway, the Lakers, on the other hand, are 22-3. Are, uh, and three, The best team in the Western Conference and tied for the best record in the NBA with the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, who they'll play, if I'm not mistaken... In a week, nineteenth, I believe. Yeah, by the time this is posted, it'll be a week. I'm so looking forward to that matchup because uh, they the the Clippers did not do well against the Bucks. If the Lakers do well against the Bucks, 
then boy, am I going to have a fun day on Twitter that day. The uh, the two games I'm most excited for are that one, um, and then on Christmas against the Clippers. I think those are going to be, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but those are going to be the two barometers for where the Lakers are um, through this kind of first half of the schedule. Uh, I think they're, I mean, regardless of how they do in those games, they're easily one of the best teams in the NBA. But, um, I mean, they have a four-game, five-game stretch where they they play at Milwaukee, home against Denver, home against the Clippers on Christmas, at Portland, and then home against Dallas to close out 2019. Uh, that'll be kind of the... That'll tell us a lot about these Lakers to close out the year and uh, what time, what type of team they're going to be because um, those are three of the best teams in the league and also Denver who should be really good and they still have a lot of talent. So I'm really interested. This team is playing at such a high level, such a higher level than I ever could have expected this early in the season. Like... I know Pete and Darius did a podcast earlier this week where they're talking about basically where did we go wrong um, in the preseason predictions because nobody expected this. I honestly think we kind of underrated how good Anthony Davis was. Yeah, I, and I think that's totally fair. I And also, not just how good Anthony Davis was, but how good LeBron James could make Anthony Davis. I I don't know what I expected, but man... He good. Like, Anthony Davis is really, really good. Didn't have the best night in Orlando. I think he shot, what, hovered around... 6 of 20. Right, 30% from the field. Not great by his standards. Uh, but still a, a really, really, really good player. And not just that. I, I think a strength of this team that I did not expect at the end of the season, and I think it really showed against uh, Orlando, is... Their depth, like Kyle Kuzma didn't play. Jared Jared Dudley stepped up, and when I mean when I say he stepped up, he stepped up like literally and from like a basketball standpoint. Like that dude got into a fight for a, an altercation he was feet away from, like had no <laughs> business being in. He just saw his teammates needed him, and uh, so shout out to Jared Dudley. Hop on the podcast, please. I'd love to interview you. And um, But anyway, Jared Dudley came in, uh, went 3 of 4 from behind the arc. And I still think, and it might just be because of low usage, but he's shooting like a ridiculous percentage from behind the arc this season. Uh, let's see after what it's at after Wednesday's game. It is at 66.7%. <laughs> Totally sustainable. Uh, so, yeah. Jared Dudley, Contavious Caldwell-Pope stepping up. Um, Alex Russo hit a pair of threes. It was a... I did not expect this team to be deep. Like, I liked the players they signed. I just wasn't sure how they were going to make all of them work. And hats off to Frank Vogel for, like, figuring it out. If you would have told me... Rondo and Caruso was going to be a thing that worked before the season started. I would have said, I mean, probably not because Rondo's bad at basketball. 
<laughs> but I mean, Vogel saw something that we didn't. And that's why um, he gets paid millions of dollars dollars to coach and and doesn't host this podcast. They, I mean, certainly credit to Vogel for putting these guys in the positions, but credit to a lot of these guys too. Do you know what Rondo's shooting from three? Oh boy, uh, if I had a guess, uh, I mean he didn't play, so is it still like it's forty two percent, right? Ten percent higher, fifty two point eight percent. Yeah, that is different from forty two. <laughs> yeah, he. I would have never expect he was in. I looked earlier. I don't have it point up pulled up because I was looking. Uh, George Hill is in the hundredth percentile on spot up threes this year, but Rajon Rondo is in the ninety eighth percentile on spot ups. Like never in a million years would I have expected that. Um, I, maybe he. I mean, Jason Kidd kind of did this same thing where he went his whole career not as a shooter, and then the last couple of years in Dallas and in New York. Uh, he became a really good shooter. Maybe him and Jason Kidd talked and they figured it out. I don't know. I don't know what Rondo's done. I've asked this a couple times. I know I have here. Eventually, I think teams are going to have to respect his three-pointer, which mm-hmm. is a wild sentence to, to say. I still think it's probably going to be after after the, the year, like into 2020. But... So long as he's shooting this well, like, put him on the floor, which is such a... I remember (laughs) you, me, and Sabrina did a podcast where we were like, are the Lakers guard? Um, I think Vogel had a quote today where it was it's like, it's not a coincidence Avery Bradley comes back and we hold the opponent to whatever it was, 87 points, I think. Um, Like we just said about Rondo being a a lights-out three-point shooter now. And honestly, I still think Alex Cruz is the best guard, point guard for this team. And I tweeted watching the game that I think he should be the starting point guard at this point. Um, he's the best mixture of of both ends between Rondo's offense and Avery Bradley's yeah. defense. Um, Cruz is still a really, really good defender and is steadily improving offensively. The the game on Sunday against the Hawks um, was his best offensive game of the year, and you can see things are are clicking a lot better. Even just like he was really bad in like screen and roll situations um, during the preseason, and even things like that he's getting better at. He's just getting more reps like that. Um, but honestly, with how they're playing right now, I wouldn't even. I don't think I'd be upset with any of them starting, and that includes Rondo. If you're going to make damn near 55% of your threes, like, I'm not going to complain. I have no right to complain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, the case against Rondo is that you already have LeBron on the floor. Like, you already have a primary ball handler. But even their two-man lineup is posting like an ungodly net rating this year. And uh, that's really impressive. I think, honestly, what it is, in hindsight, I was guilty of this. Um, I think I just went into the season with my guard up. And I think a lot of Lakers fans went into the season just ready to be let down again, whether it was due to injuries or 
you know, players coming to the Lakers and just suddenly forgetting how to shoot or how to play basketball in general, uh, locker room drama, roster management. There's just a lot of question marks surrounding this team. And uh, it, it they've, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> they, they've answered all of the questions I had. I was going to say, I wouldn't hold your breath. With the exception of when are they going to trade for Andre Iguodala. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. But, I mean, even even... <laughs> Even in spite of that, they've looked pretty darn good. Um, and honestly, the 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 thing with me in the beginning of the season was, God, which which teams would I hate for the Lakers to see in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs? And at the time, it was like Portland, because I thought any team with two good guards could beat the Lakers. In a seven-game playoff series, uh, it turns out that's not the case. Turns out uh, I was very wrong about that. And honestly, if the playoffs started today, I would I would take the Lakers against any of the lower half teams, and maybe all but one of of the upper tier teams in the Western Conference. I think you and I would defend Anthony Davis as well as Portland did. <laughs> um, which was not shocking. He, as a uh, someone who can legally bet now in Indiana, I was looking at his point total that night, and it was something like 28 or something. Like, he hit his point total in the first half that night. Um, which, like, it's largely due to injury that the Blazers don't have their front court with Nurkic and Collins. Um but, yeah, I mean, that team's rough. And I, Dame and CJ don't scare me the same way they... I mean, I probably would have been in the same boat as you coming into the year that, like, a team with really good guard play would be terrifying. Like, I was really worried about the Rockets. Um, now, not so <laughs> much. Uh, because apparently you can just double James Harden and... Um, it's an effective strategy, I guess. I don't know. Everybody's doing it, so I guess it's working. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, at this point, I would, I think I'd still take them over the Clippers right now because, like, the Clippers still have a lot of things that they're figuring out. Um, Kawhi and Paul George have, I mean, rightfully so, they have the ball so much that it's kind of... I don't want to say rendered Lou Williams useless, but it's really taken away from his effectiveness because he's really at his best when he's running this that screen and roll with Montrez, right. and they can't they can't really do that when Kawhi and Paul George always have the ball and one of them's always on the court. So it's stuff like that that they're still trying to figure out. Um, that I don't, and they've been a mess defensively, even with Kawhi and Paul George. Like they have a lot of stuff. They have to work out still. That's why I'm so impressed with how quickly the Lakers have meshed, um, especially on the defensive end. Like this is a whole bunch of new players, a lot of guys who haven't even haven't played together at all, and the way that they fly around defensively and uh, help and recover and rotate out to different guys. Is really impressive. It, I mean, it looks like a team that's played together for like three or four years, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know, it's a credit to the guys for buying in, to Vogel, to 
to Polinka for finding these guys. I mean, I've been just as impressed with this defense as anything. It, it kind of slacked off a little bit um, during that stretch of really bad teams. They realized that they didn't really need to have, to have to try that hard. But once we started playing these tougher games in December, I think it's picked right back up again. And I just can't believe how how good this team is. I'm so pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and, and what what's really surprised me, with the exception of a few players, um, is how well this roster was constructed and really how bad Magic Johnson was as the president of basketball operation. Oh, God, yeah. You, it, it's kind of similar to, and, and I know it's not you know, the greatest comparison because Jason Kidd is on the Lakers coaching staff, uh, but it's kind of the similar jump you saw with the Bucks last season when they let go of Jason Kidd. It's just like, dear God, how <laughs> bad was this guy for for them to go from you know what they were to the best team in the Eastern Conference? Like that's crazy. I think obviously Anthony Davis changes a lot of things, uh, but you look at the, even the roster construction last year. There was a clear blueprint. To win a championship with LeBron James, or at least contend for a championship with LeBron James. Just put shooters and defensive guards around him, and he'll figure out the rest later. He'll figure out the rest later. The Lakers did that, and they got Anthony Davis, which is why they have the best record in the NBA right now. And I, I, I it's it may sound like a little ignorant, and I may com- come off as just a giant mega fan boy, which fine. Whatever. <laughs> We're a Lakers right. podcast. You can do that. <laughs> LeBron James, the way he's playing right now, and how much he cares, I I don't know. Well, personally, I don't I don't know if it's fair to say. I can have my reservations about the Bucks, the Clippers in a playoff series, but boy, do I not feel like. Genuine fear. I have appropriate fear of those teams, but never once this season, at least lately, have I felt, man, the Lakers, they're just going to get plummeted in that series. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are on the same team. And LeBron James, who will turn 35 years old at the end of this month, is playing some of the best basketball he has ever played. Like, his playmaking is on an as on a level that we have not seen before, which is insane. They talk about players, you know, not being able to rely on their athleticism, um, adding different parts to their games to, to increase their career. LeBron James still has everything and he's getting better, which, which makes me feel like the Lakers can go toe to toe with anybody in a playoff series. It also not just this season. It almost it kind of lengthens at least what I thought was the window the Lakers had. Um, when trading for AD, I kind of thought they had this season and next at most to get a title team together and potentially win it. Um, I'm a hundred percent with you. He looks as good as he ever has, which means. Maybe this window is extended past even his current contract. I don't know. Just the the way he's playing now, it's you can't put a like a expiration date on this. Like 
he legitimately looks better than he ever has, at least in certain areas. Um, I think the big thing is he's playing the fewest minutes per game he ever has. Um, and kind of as a byproduct of that, averaging the most assists he has in a season by almost two full assists per game. Um, it's a different role. We A lot was made um, this summer when will he play the point guard? Won't he? What's his, his role going to be? Uh, he's more or less the point guard, even if he's not listed as a point guard. But, like, again, more credit to Vogel and the staff for not just nominally naming him the point guard and putting him in screen and rolls all day, which... Would have been fine with me, but they've constructed an offense that uh, that has steadily improved since uh, since day one, and now they're probably. Um, I mean, since the start of December, I have this this range pulled up. They're the they have the third best rating um, or offensive rating in the league, um, which. Is incredible with again with so many new pieces. Um, overall, this season they are fourth in offensive rating and fourth in defensive rating. Um, second overall net rating. The Bucks are again a walking juggernaut in the East. Um, man, I'm amazed almost on a per game basis by what LeBron is doing. Um, I don't know. I still think probably his early years with Miami were the best basketball he's played. But, like, this is pretty damn close to the best basketball he's ever played. Mm -hmm. And as you said, he's turning 36 in a couple weeks. Like, maybe this is finally the guy who beats Father Time. I don't know. (laughs) This doesn't make any sense. But he's been absolutely incredible. Yeah, I I mean, no disrespect to Vince Carter. I mean, Vince, Vince is still yeah. pushing. All right, he he's played like forty seven years. In the league <laughs> or but yeah, it is it is it is truly insane. And uh, one of the last things I want to talk about with you is um, I'll have a column out hopefully Monday if all goes well and my work schedule permits uh, on the trade season, which opens up unofficially on sunday december 15th the day where anybody that didn't sign a contract extension uh or has a no trade clause in their contract will be eligible for trade uh and that includes i mean with their consent mostly everybody on the lakers roster um we won't get into specific trades yet we might save that for next week as as hard as it may be because as we all know, the Lakers are they're kind of in a tough position when it comes to making trades. Um, but the one thing I want to ask you is if there is a move the Lakers can make that would make them surefire contenders in your eyes, uh, or if, if the roster is just fine the way it is. Like, obviously, a team, there, there's always room for improvement. Uh, but if there is an area that you still look at the Lakers roster and go, man... They just had this one last piece. There's not a team in the NBA I would I would take them over. I still think they 
probably need one more 3 and D wing. Um, it's kind of hard to, to see what the rotation will be like at full strength because the Lakers still haven't been there. Right. Um, Troy Daniels is still playing, and I'm still really... I, it's not that I don't want him playing. It's, he basically has to. If you could take his minutes and give him to a 3 and D wing, like a 6-8 type of wing, um, I'd feel better. But, like, also, I tweeted this, and the more I've kind of thought about it, <clears throat> the more I, I'm not sure. This team has such great chemistry. Like, they all really, really like each other, which, again, is not something that typically happens, like, the first year that a team is together. Um, but it's to the point now where I'm almost, I'd almost be concerned about upsetting that chemistry in any way with a trade. Like, I still think you could probably trade Boogie... And it'd be hard to add in maybe like a Quinn Cook or something. But even in Quinn Cook, like you saw the other night, maybe it was the the game against the Timberwolves. One of the games where like he hit a couple shots or something and like guys were going over celebrating with him and whatnot. And it's like he's still a great locker room guy on this team. So like I don't know. I... I would almost just wait until the buyout market, and the Lakers might not really have a choice because, like you said, they pretty much have to have anybody that they could trade agree to a trade. Um, but, yeah, if they can get one 3 and D wing, which I think will be available in the buyout market, and it almost doesn't even need to be a 3 and D wing, just a de- defensive wing. Um because my eye is still toward meeting the Clippers in the playoffs, and that would be the one area that would really concern me because we saw what happens when KCP has to guard some of those wings. Yeah, um, It doesn't go well. That would be the only area at this point that I think the Lakers need to focus on acquiring someone. Yeah, and I, I would agree. I think, like, another guard that could handle the ball... And shoot threes would be nice. But, I mean, more than anything, they just need somebody that can back up LeBron James. Because I forget forget who, and I feel bad, but somebody posted the minutes breakdown of of which Lakers have played the most minutes together uh, or, or how Frank Vogel's rotations have looked. And LeBron James hasn't played a ton of minutes with Danny Green. Um or I shouldn't say he hasn't played a ton of minutes. I would have liked to see Danny Green play more minutes with LeBron James. Like, I think their minutes should be tethered. The only problem there is the reason Danny Green and LeBron James aren't spending all of their minutes together is because when LeBron James isn't on the floor, you're having Danny Green play that backup three spot, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I think Danny Green is completely capable. But ideally with Danny Green's skill set, you have him on the floor when LeBron James is on the floor. I mean, you can say that about almost anybody on the roster, but especially especially Danny Green, who 
God bless his heart for coming on this podcast and and talking to me. But <laughs> but my man is um, can't dribble the basketball too well, <laughs> but he's really good at three point shooting, and that's yeah. that's I mean it's made him the money he's made throughout his career. So I mean more power to him. But uh, and he's a, he's a great fit with this roster because there are a ton of guys. I'm, I, actually, I shouldn't say a ton of guys. It really is only Rondo, AD, LeBron, like. I'm hesitant to say Kuzma because I don't know why. Maybe I'm just mis- misremembering. But I remember Kuzma's handle being a lot tighter and him looking a lot more comfortable dribbling the ball than he has so far this season. There's moments where uh, before this year, there were moments where like he would do wild things with the ball. Um, I don't know. His role is so much different than I expected. Right. It to be, and he. I think he's still succeeding in it. I think we talked about it last mm-hmm. week, but um, it's a lot different role than I than I expected him to be in this year. But um, I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't seen those minutes breakdowns. But that's interesting. If you get another wing, then maybe you're able to play LeBron and Danny Green together, um, which would make a lot of sense. I. I know KCP and LeBron have kind of been tied at the hip at times this year. Um, And KCP has a ton of success playing next to LeBron. So I could imagine what would happen if it was Danny Green. I don't know who who it is, but yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's another, I guess, another reason to really try to find that wing. Um, Like we said, probably in the buyout market to... Spell Danny Green because it also means Danny Green isn't always on the best perimeter player on the court, right. ideally. Which right now, when he's on the court, he's guarding the best wing on the court. Um, you don't want him to tire out by playoff time, but also he's only playing 25 minutes a night right now. So I don't know that that's too much of a worry, but... Yeah, that that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I would. That's even more reason I think to go after a wing, either this trade deadline, try to find, see if something works. They still have second round picks they could trade, because um, it really doesn't. If you could find, even I think like a someone just even a little bit better than Troy Daniels, but that's like six seven six eight. Right. <laughs> Even just that, yeah. like if you could just stretch Troy Daniels, that would be fine. Just a body that you can put on some of these guys for five, six, seven minutes per night to give some of these uh, so guys like Danny Green a rest. I think that'd be really, really helpful. I I agree, and I I mean the te- the the technology has to exist to stretch <laughs> Troy Daniels. Like, there's no way they it already does stretch. That. They, I don't know. They already stretch a little all day. So <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's funny. I was actually, I I I like that you keep mentioning the buyout market because that's probably where we're gonna see the Lakers the most active. If for no other reason they have that 1.75 million dollar disabled player exception, they're gonna be able to outbid anybody with that, and also. They're the best team. Well, the best team in the Western Conference right now. They probably still will be. They're gonna. They're gonna be at the top of. 
whoever is bought out, um, whoever the best wing is, I honestly would probably expect them to end up as a Laker, whoever it is, because they're gonna have the most money and they're gonna be the best team offering the most money. Yeah, and and a heavily featured role, like maybe not in terms of yeah, minutes, also the, but they're gonna be really important. And if you're playing an important role on a championship team, that that means more money the next summer. I'm just mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm interested to see who becomes available because I think if you look around the league, the guys that are most likely to become available to me right now are centers. I don't know why yeah. Cleveland wants to tie Tristan Thompson up long term. I thought he might become available. I shouldn't say I don't get why. I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't know why Tristan Thompson would want to would want to stay in Cleveland long term is what I really meant. Uh, but yeah, you look you, you look around and see what guys could become available. Um, Chicago with Otto Porter would be so interesting, but he has a twenty eight point four million dollar player option that he most likely will not He's trade. Going that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> beyond that. Uh, yeah, Nick Batum's in the same situation. Would probably benefit him to buy out, like just from a competitive standpoint. But again, a twenty-seven point one million dollar player option next season. Shout out to that wild free agency class. Luol Deng still getting paid. He's like medic. He'll be paid the next two years yeah. as well. Mozgov and Deng are both like retired. That's it. Still getting Mozgov paycheck. medically retired. Right. Maybe. We- Maybe we should have done that and talked to Lou Deng about that. <laughs> um, I mean, the one I, the really the only wing I've thought of that would be interesting would be Michael Kidd Gilchrist. He can't shoot threes, but he'd be a really good defensive wing. You could play him at the four next to Anthony Davis. He's going to spread the floor enough. Uh, you could kind of hide him, hide MKG in the dunker spot. I think that even that level of a wing would make me feel a lot better come playoff time um, to be able to put someone like that on Paul George or Kawhi Leonard versus putting a KCP on them. I'm, I still have the memory of him guarding Kawhi and honestly not even like it, the effort was there, but he was just so small that Kawhi was just like, you're really putting this guy on me? And just <laughs> shooting over him repeatedly. So, honestly, just get somebody with longer arms, and I'll feel a lot better. Yeah, there's... there's, It's just... It's unfortunate, because the names aren't awe-inspiring. Um, any interest in Chandler Parsons? No, <laughs> Lord no. Uh, I didn't. Does he actually even play? Like I know he played the one game. I think against the yeah, Lakers. Yeah, it was against the Lakers. Uh, I haven't. This may come as a surprise to you, uh, but I do not <laughs> keep tabs on Chandler Parsons or Evan Turner for that matter. Evan Turner's another guy uh, that I wanted the Lakers to sign when he was a free agent, um, and I'm glad they did. Oh, my my takes from that summer were really really bad. I'm yeah. not even. I think I deleted my tweets, on, like not because they were so bad from that summer, but like some of the guys I wanted turned out to be re- like I really wanted Nicholas Batum, yeah. and he turned out to be really really bad. Well, I wanted um, Biombo, so you're not alone there. Pal. Oh Lord! Well, I remember thinking I don't, it, I don't remember where I said it, but I was like, 
I think Solomon Hill could be a good like cheap <laughs> option. And then like the third day of free agency, he got like fifteen million dollars a year. I'm like, wait a second, do I even know what I'm doing anymore? <laughs> well, it turns out you did, and uh, other teams just, I don't know, they had a lot of money that they didn't know what to do with. I hope I'm that rich one day, where I'm just like, <laughs> oh, I need to spend this money on something, and just throw eighteen point five million dollars at Alan Crab. Um, yeah, Evan Turner's a guy. Uh, Andre Iguodala's a guy, but he's not getting traded. Uh, or I'm sorry, he is getting traded, not bought out. So the Lakers really. I still have hope. Yeah, I haven't given up hope. The I know I've mentioned him like a bunch. I mean, I tweeted about him again tonight. Each one more is going to go to should go to some contender and be a contributor for them. Like even an each one more level guy. For the Lakers, he can knock down threes, he can defend, he can actually dribble the basketball. Yeah, he's like six three though. <laughs> is he really yeah, that short? He is that short. <laughs> Maybe. So I'd I'd cross him off that list. All right, I don't believe you. I'm I'm looking this up. <laughs> you know who would be great for the Lakers, but they won't do it, is uh, Marcus Morris. Yeah, I mean, they just don't have the salaries to do it. Is what I mean. Yeah, and it also kind of felt like he had the opportunity to come here this summer and didn't. So I don't know if it's like something with the Lakers. I don't know. The way that played out was kind of weird because it felt like almost like he was waiting to come to the Lakers and then never did. Yeah. I will say each one more is 6'4", but he has a 6'10 wingspan. Okay, so yeah. So I'm going to hang my hat on that. He. <laughs> He he looks bigger than what he is. I That's guess. the same situation with Iguodala, right? Because Iguodala is like six five, but his wingspan yeah, but, is just massive. And he also has the quickest hands I honestly have ever seen in the NBA. Like <laughs> I, yeah, he has a six eleven wingspan. You know, it bum- it really bums me out. But you know who would have been a great like aftermarket pickup for the Lakers is uh, Andre Roberson. But I don't know if or, like, when he'll ever play again. He, yeah. I mean, even that level of a... He's pretty much a negative. Not even pretty much. He's just a negative offensively. Yeah. But, but his defense. In the role, my God. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. In the role that he would play, it would be def, it would be more off the bench and just play really hard defense for 15, 20 minutes a night. I can only imagine what he, what kind of havoc he would create. If you're, I guess the the overarching point here is that if you're a Laker fan, you're rooting for the minimum amount of trades <laughs> in the next uh, couple months or however many. I think it's like fifty five days between December fifteenth and the trade deadline. You want the minimum amount of trades possible because then that means more guys are going to be bought out, right? And they're far more likely to come to the Lakers that way than via trade. Because, honestly, the only tradable contract I think the Lakers have is, like, Boogie because he doesn't have a no-trade clause kind of built into his contract. Um, everyone else, I would just... They're not going to trade KCP, um, and he's not going to okay a trade. Yeah. So I've, I still see a lot of people talking about that and be like, oh, well, if we pair KCP with yada, yada, yada... 
KCP is not going to agree to a trade. He's playing a very big role on a very good team. He's not going... The The only reason he okayed a trade last year was because he wasn't starting and also the Lakers sucked kind of last year. Right. <laughs> so he's not going to go from the best team in the league where he is playing 25 minutes a night to literally anywhere else. So I would say outside of that, like... Honestly, there aren't any tradable contracts, which is fine. Like, I like we spent a good chunk of this podcast talking about how great this roster has been. Um, I wouldn't, no pun intended, no pun intended, but I wouldn't really trade this roster for pretty much anyone else's. Um, but yeah, root for the root for absolutely no trades. Hope everybody is uh, managed uh, by. Danny Ainge, and you can get a whole bunch of almost trades, or the Los Angeles Dodgers. And uh, okay, all right, Jacob, all right. Let's. Uh, hey, my team, my baseball team, got better this uh, this offseason. I thought we so were I friends. Throw those shots. I thought I thought we were cool. I thought that's just we understood that wasn't a topic we brought up on this pod, but I guess not. Uh, I was gonna ask you something, but now I I don't even want to talk to you anymore. Uh, <laughs> hey, I waited until the very end to uh, <laughs> to bring that up, so you know you can. I'm at least nice there. <laughs> you know I um. So it, it, in order to pick somebody up in the in the buyout market, they have to trade somebody, and I'm I'm gonna be honest. I don't think they're gonna trade, or sorry, I don't think they're gonna waive to Marcus Cousins. Like, I think he's on the oh, roster I, for the I rest of the season. Will. He can, um, they can release him and then be granted permission for him to rehab. And I think the only thing that would change is that he wouldn't be on the bench during mm-hmm. games. But other than that, I think he would still just be around all the same. I think AD wants him um, on the bench, though. Is the thing. I mean, maybe if that's really that big of a hangup, I'd be really surprised. But. I mean, other than that, I guess I actually don't. Maybe they just release Troy Daniels and sign another wing. It'd be kind of harsh because I do think, as much as I've talked about how I don't want him to play in the playoffs, I think Troy Daniels has been fine. Yeah, this, like yeah, like he. Uh, it's just like physical limitations that are holding him back, which you can't really fault him for. Like I'm sure he didn't choose to be six two <laughs> or six three or whatever. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it's really that big of a deal, I would be fine cutting Troy Daniels for a wing because whatever wing you're bringing in is just taking Troy Daniels' minutes anyway. Yeah, that's a fair point. I was going to say, I wouldn't be the biggest fan of that move because I think Troy Daniels, as you said, has has been fine. Um, And I think he has value. When you need three-point shots, he's the guy you bring in. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there is value to, yeah, like you said, having a guy like... If some team randomly goes to a zone, then just bringing Troy Daniels in to knock down a couple threes right. and make him think twice about that. So, I mean, it wouldn't be my first choice, but I wouldn't be all that upset about... I'm more upset about the Lakers cutting Norvell than I would be about <laughs> them cutting Troy Daniels. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know if he'll end up back with the South Bay Lakers. I'll have to keep tabs on that. But, I mean, Devontae Kaycock looks like a real NBA prospect. I was really low on him. Because uh, he's six seven, and he's basically a center because his game is exclusively around the rim. He's like a smaller Thomas Robinson, and I'm like, 
if Thomas Robinson isn't in the league anymore, what, what makes you think Devontae Kaycock's going to stick around? Uh, and it turns out he's just a, like a monster rebounder, like an elite rebounder. So shout out to him. Get the bag when it's there. And, I mean, he got it. He he had signed that Exhibit 10 contract with the Lakers anyway. So, I mean, he already had some money or extra money uh, thrown his way to sign with the Lakers. But, yeah, shout out to Devontae Kaycock. Um, if I had to cut one player from the Lakers, though, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say cut. If I were to say, like, the Lakers were going to trade one player and I'd be okay with it, it would probably be Quinn Cook. Yeah, um, I mean he's been a lot worse this year than I thought he would be. His ba- his best skill is shooting, and he has not shot the ball well, um, relatively speaking this year. Uh, he is shooting thirty four point three percent on threes. For all the limitations he has, especially defensively, you need that number to be a lot higher. Yeah. Um, for him to be. On the court more, um, I guess I hadn't thought about thought about him. The Lakers do have a lot of guards too, but I feel like I don't know the exact amount. I think they gave Quinn Cook a decent sized contract, so yes. like more than the minimum. Two years, six million. Yeah, so I think for that reason that they're probably that's also why I think they cut Troy Daniels because. He's he's on a minimum. There's only three guys on the minimum: Troy Daniels, Dwight, and Jared Dudley. And I definitely don't see them cutting either of the last two. Boogie's the only other guy on a one-year deal. Um, everybody else is either a two-year deal or a player option the second year. So I would be I would almost I would say with almost certainty it's going to be one of those four guys: Boogie, Dudley, Dwight, or Troy. It's not going to be Dwight. And it's not going to be Dudley. Well, so Boogie or Troy, I think, would almost have to be who it, who it'll be. Well, if the Lakers do make a move again, I I don't anticipate it'll be until like mid February. So it's going to be a long time. Yeah. We'll have a lot of time to discuss this. Uh, so until we uh, see you all next time, enjoy Lakers basketball. And um, Jacob, I'll hit you. We didn't do it last week because it just slipped my mind. But I'll, I'll hit you with some uh, quick hitters. We got the Heat in Miami on Friday. Uh, the we have an off night there. Yeah. I would That that might be an L. Because yeah. <laughs> I think they have two. Oh, no, no, no just the one. But, uh, yeah, an off night in Miami. Asking for trouble. Um, Hawks on Sunday. Not too worried about that game. That'll be an easy. The one. Hawks have uh, have not been good, and then you get the Pacers Tuesday uh, in Indiana. Mm, I mean, that should be a win. This Pacers team is weird. They are they they haven't really played anybody good, but they're also playing much better than I would have expected. But yeah, I would that should be a win. They haven't gotten Oladipo back either. No. I'm interested with Oladipo would be really yeah I'm I'm actually really interested to see what they do but um yeah that that's our show uh if you liked whatever this was um <laughs> go on I I I'm so used to saying iTunes but it's just podcasts now because go on podcasts yeah I, iTunes is dead so go on podcasts 
and leave us a nice little re review or tell us what we can get better at because honestly uh we uh we don't know what we're doing so um <laughs> we start every every night we're like what are we going to talk about yeah. tonight we have no idea <laughs> not not a glowing endorsement of of jacob or myself <laughs> but i mean we do our best and i think i mean nobody's pulled the plug on us yet so that must mean something so jacob thank you for going through this journey with me uh and i hope we have a show next week in spite of, <laughs> of, of the way the show closed <laughs>